This is Reimagining Higher Education, your go-to podcast with remarkable education leaders sharing personal stories from their experience in and around the sector, including reflection and evidence for progress in the sector. With your host, Professor Judith Sachs, former PVC Learning and Teaching at the University of Sydney, Deputy Vice-Chancellor and Provost at Macquarie University, and Special Advisor in Higher Education at KPMG, and now Chief Academic Officer at Studiosity. Welcome. Hi, Judith. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Look, thank you for making time in your very busy schedule to um, to talk to me today. Very happy. Uh, very. And uh, I, I have been looking forward to it and particularly um, interested in uh, seeing what the object is that you, um, <laughs> that you have brought. So let me just start by um, acknowledging the traditional Indigenous custodians of country throughout Australia and all lands where we work and we recognise their continuing connections to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to elders past and present. So may I welcome Professor Debbie Terry, Vice-Chancellor of University of Queensland, to our podcast on reimagining higher education. Thank you for making time today. And if I could start by um, inviting you to show us the object that you uh, have brought that represents your approach to education, but also that represents your experience as a, a senior leader and educator. I think, thank you very much, Judith. And um, I thank you for the uh, invitation uh, to uh, be involved in uh, this podcast series and, and really looking forward to our discussion. So I spent some time thinking about, about the object, but then um, I kept coming back to, uh, you know, you, you always think about influential people in, in, in your life. And um, my, my honours and PhD supervisor was, was, was very influential uh, for, for me. And um, he, he was somebody who had taught me in uh, third year uh, psychology at ANU. And then um, uh, he indicated that he, he'd heard I was interested in, in doing honours and, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, indicated he'd, he'd be uh, you know, happy to supervise me. And, uh, you know, I can remember having a, a discussion with him um, in, in terms of topics. And I think uh, I'd done a project in third year and I think he just assumed that was my um, uh, area of greatest interest when, of course, I was interested in so many things in psychology. But... Um, I, I was very happy to work with him and then obviously ended up doing a PhD uh, with him and uh, he he died when I was a postdoc actually up at, at UQ so so quite soon after um, I, I finished my PhD but but this is is uh, a book that uh, he wrote um, adaptation of immigrants uh, individual differences and and determinants and it's a really influential book but but for me what it um, encompasses very much is uh, the way in which he went about his research and it was very much uh, the scientific study of um, group processes uh, and, and that's what he was most well known for but he was a very he was um, trained in what's called the Michigan School of, of Psychometric assessment and and for me I just benefited hugely from that and every time I move offices I often pick up this book and uh, you know wonderful note uh, which uh, I always feel extraordinarily humbled by to read and you know to Debbie in the expectation that you will do better which I don't think is the case fondly 
Uh-huh. You're being too modest. <laughs> Ruth and, and Bill and, and uh, Ruth worked very closely with, with Bill and uh, uh, the 10th of October, 89, which was obviously I took up my postdoc here at, in 1990. So very special uh, to me and he had a huge impact uh, on, on my whole career. Well, um, what, what a wonderful legacy, though, for him to, if he, was, if he was looking down on you, he would be deeply proud of both your uh, achievements as a scholar, but then your achievements as a leader. What, what did he teach you as, as a leader and, and also as a teacher? Um, I think, I mean, he, 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 taught, he taught me uh, very much about, for, in a field like psychology, scientific study of human behavior that you 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 have to get the assessment right you've got to get the measurement right the methodology right the ethics are right in terms of how we go about um, understanding human behavior um, and 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 that's always stayed with me he, he, you know I've, I always felt I was incredibly well trained um, in those areas as I say he 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 spent most of his career in the US, um, and then um, ended up uh, actually uh, um, establishing the psychology school at James Cook University. And as the story goes, he was on the panel for the head of school at ANU, and through the first round, they didn't find who they wanted, and suggested perhaps he should apply. So, <laughs> and the rest was 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 history. But that's what he taught me. But he taught me also at the same time you could take that approach and really address important issues uh, in terms of society and um, you know how 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 we position ourselves uh, as as communities and nations for the future. So this work on the adaptation of Im- immigrants was just so important given, of course, and we hear it through, um, you know, the latest census, just how important uh, the people who have been attracted to Australia as migrants are to, mm. you know, our First Nations people are critically important. And, but, you know, the, the, the uh, immigrants to Australia is just phenomenal in terms of the country that we've, we've become as well. So. So what was your experience like as an undergraduate and a postgraduate at the ANU at that time? Because I visit the ANU a lot and it's a very different place. It is different. I, I just loved it. I mean, I, I, I had always been interested in, in human behaviour. Um, and um, and, and I, knew that, I knew that I really didn't want to go, or I didn't think I was particularly well suited perhaps to go into the uh, clinical side. I was just fascinated with um, A, understanding human behaviour, but B, I just loved the, the joy of discovery. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I really liked that, designing studies and being able to do it in a way that, that uh, helped, um, you know, lead to, in, in small incremental steps, a better understanding of particular phenomena. And then actually, um, as a postgraduate student, PhD student, I found I really liked teaching and I'd never really thought about that. And, you know, as a, as a PhD student, became involved in tutoring and finding that I really liked that. I, 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 I liked the, the process of putting together um, 
ways in which to present complex material. I did a lot of teaching in methodology and, and research design. And, and I found that uh, it was very rewarding and it really helped me in my research. So, I mean, ANU was a great, great place. I mean, back then they were, you know, they, it was a relatively small undergraduate university, a lot of uh, graduate students, as you, you, you would know. And this, um, you know, psychology uh, was obviously in the faculties, but there were some really significant links with the research schools that I really benefited from. Um, so, you know, again, I feel hugely privileged to have had uh, really that, you know, I always say I spent basically the 1980s at ANU and um, it was a great place to be, great place to be. And as an undergraduate, you know, sitting in the refec and, um, you know, we used to solve the big problems of life over pretty, pretty bad coffee, actually. It only cost 30 cents a cup, but, you know. <laughs> and that was a, just a great experience. Um, yeah, and I often think back as we think about in, in, in our roles, you know, the, you know, changing university environments and, and student experiences, I often look back and think that's where I grew up. I mean, mm -hmm. I grew up, I, 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 I tested my own ideas. I became, you know, I was open to so many more uh, ideas and, and views and experiences. And it's such an important part of your life, I think. I like your use of the, of the language, the joy of discovery, and particularly both in terms of your research, but also your teaching. Has that been one of the guiding ideas for you as an educator? And, and, and what has it looked like? I think, I mean, it, 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 it has, I think, as you move in, as I've moved into uh, leadership roles, obviously, I, you know, had a wonderful decade here at UQ where with, with one of my uh, colleagues, Mike Hogg, we ran a, a centre, but I, you know, was a centre for research and group processes, but also, um, you know, taught in, 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 in the school and, but then moved into sort of head of psychology, et cetera. And I think as I've continued through different roles, that, that discovery being open to, um, you know, uh, evidence that's coming from, um, you know, other universities, other, other jurisdictions to really make sure that as much as I can, that my leadership decisions are based on what's happening elsewhere. It is that, that yeah, it's still that joy of discovering that, that we can in each of our own small ways, hopefully uh, have an impact by making the environment uh, you know, and it's all about creating the environment for others to be successful, the mm -hmm. academics and researchers who, who come after us, but also the students. And so it has continued to influence me, I think. And, I mean, ANU at that time was small. It still is small. Mm. Um, it was elite. It still is elite. What can you describe about uh, the student experience now compared to your uh, experience as a student uh, all those years ago? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think when I, yes, no, many many years ago. Um, I think when I came to UQ and it was obviously a bigger institution. You know, as you say, ANU uh, was was really small then, and institutions like UQ were bigger. What struck me was that. Um, it was certainly a larger school of psychology. It was more diverse in terms of um, 
uh, the areas that were both taught and researched and the student body was more diverse and mm. and, and I really relished that I, 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 I really got to see how a, a larger scale uh, certainly for psychology how that impacted then on, on my own research and 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 on my own teaching but I think you know I I I always go back when I think about the student experience is uh, understanding a what irrespective of institutions we have to deliver through the student experience and understanding that we will do that differently now to when I was a student and depending on your institution you will you will do it differently but for me at, at, at UQ, it, it is really understanding, making sure we remain true to our points of distinctiveness in the same way at Curtin I did. You know, mm -hmm. you've got to make sure, you know, institutions are different and you've got to remain true to the kind of DNA of the institutions. And, in, in, and at UQ, I often talk about the fact that it's the value add of the campus experience that has been very important to a university like UQ. You know, we've got the 10 residential colleges, we have, we've increased student accommodation. So many of our students do live on campus. We're a, um, a large undergraduate university with, um, you know, a hugely comprehensive range of programs. And we're known for that campus experience. And so we've got to make sure as expectations of students change and the impact of technology and different ways that we, we teach, but make sure we deliver on that value out of the campus experience. Because when we stop doing that, I think we really run the risk of not, not staying grounded by the sort of institution we are. So you, you've, we talked about the joy of discovery, the importance of the student experience. Is there anything else that's been important for you as an educator in terms of both being a teacher and, and you, you have a reputation for being a good teacher, but also as being an effective leader, both in two, two different universities? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of teaching and 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 and, and educating I, I think it has always been and 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 you know in many ways this is what we're doing even better now than you would be very you know very familiar with you know the notion of of of, of the flipped classroom and um you know really that the content um you know will be engaged with very differently and is already being engaged with very differently. But what we've got to do is to ensure that students have the opportunity to work with the content, to understand it and understand what it means. And, you know, and essentially that's what the flipped classroom does. It, it just puts the emphasis then um, in the face-to-face -face or the uh, other, well, other ways you might do it through other media, but you work with the, the material whether it's in a tutorial or a studio or laboratory or a group project or a thesis and I always sort of had that in my teaching even way back that I would you know I, I couldn't remember trying to do some uh you know I'd, I'd uh, 
remember once a large, quite large third year course on attitudes and social cognition, essentially uh, showing showing that how they would how how students would um, remember uh, what 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 was shown through in, in in this case sort of short videos would depend depend on the the kind of uh, the gender mix within the videos and you know this was back in the day where it wasn't as easy as just pressing something on your computer to get these videos up um, it was all orchestrated through somebody uh, elsewhere in the university and I had to press a button on the wall to say now press the first video and then I was running this basically memory experiment to show that memory was different um, and and so I always like to involve involve students in actually showing how showing showing the impact of what I was teaching them theoretically and um and I always ran quite big uh research projects um through all of my courses uh, where, where students would be involved in a different research study each year and then they would write that up as as, as individuals and um, so I've, I've, I've all, I mean, that's how it impacted on my my teaching. I think I, I, I wanted to involve students very much quite practically in understanding uh, why why uh, the theory was important. And so yeah, that's and through through leadership, I, I, I think you know that's taking it, I, I guess further, but it is to be, so slightly different but to be accessible to be open to ideas to to um you know when you're looking at broadly developing strategies or um positioning the university that there's a lot of engagement in it and and I always always say when I'm uh talking to to colleagues I'm open to answering any question I may not know the answer but you know, I, I really want to hear from everybody. And, and I think our, our, our institutions are large and complex. And I think one of the great risks of, of, of leadership in such organisations is that you run the risk of communicating, over-communicating to a small number of people and forgetting that, that it, it's about clarity of, of uh, message and communication and two-way communication that you've got to make sure it's as broad as possible. If we can move to the sort of the title of today's reimagining higher education, the last three years, to have called them challenging is an understatement, but they've provided a pivot point in terms of rethinking how we, how do, how we deliver, what's important in our institutions and how we can go forward. So, if you put your joy of discovery hat on and reimagine higher education, what would some of the elements of that reimagining look like? I think in, in terms of reimagining, and I think, you know, I mean, right across our sector, as you know, I mean, through, through the pandemic and really those early days of the pandemic, having to move incredibly quickly to suddenly do something that none of us had ever really thought through Mm -hmm. i.e. offering essentially everything online, um, you know, assessing online, you know, doing absolutely everything. Now, I think what that has, has done is allow us to reimagine 
and in a, um, a learning environment um, where, in fact, there is a lot more um, just in time able to access all of the systems that, you know, we are now, um, you know, really thinking through then, you know, what does the lecture look like into the future? Uh, but then how do we ensure that uh, students have that rich face-to-face -face, um, for us at UQ um, learning opportunities where you've got a genuine value add? And as mm -hmm. I often say, I mean, the great lecture is still a wonderful thing. And I think all of us understand that, you know, being some people who are able to package complex ideas in really engaging ways and in ways that really take you in a space of 50 minutes from you know getting gaining a much better understanding of an area but nevertheless you know sitting in a in a class a lecture theater with 400 of your not so best friends is probably not the way to engage with a lot of complex material mm -hmm. content and so I think reimagining how we do that um you know, through through students being able to access that material where they want to any time, but then the expectation that we um, ensure that we've got the, um, our, we're putting our energy into ensuring they really understand why that's important and what it means. And then, you know, so that we, we end up reimagining an environment where we imagine and plan for an environment where um, students are, are both engaging very much online with the university. They've got uh, periods of time where they're spending time on campus or in, in work integrated learning. Uh, and then we've got um, all of the other uh, uh, extracurricular, the entrepreneurship programs that really ensure that those uniquely human skills um, uh, and, and the other skills that our graduates are going to need to 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 be successful in a, a different economy in a different labor market that we're providing that and i think what that means and i do sometimes i was talking to heads of colleges residential colleges we had the national conference here a couple of weeks a few weeks ago and i was talking to them about actually you can envisage envisage an environment where um, students are moving, you know, it, it's far less even in those areas where there's a very clear cohort of students, they're not necessarily um, spending much time with each other because of the way that, you know, some of it's online, some of it's face-to-face, -face, some of it's in, in, in workplaces, there's all of these extracurricular and other activities. It's then where what might happen in those students who are in residences, that that will that will perhaps be where some of that cohort is formed more, and you know the sporting clubs, the other clubs where the cohorts are formed, and you know I think that's the reimagination that 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 we need to think through because if I go back to my earlier comments, what I got out of university was yes I was prepared for the career I, I've been very fortunate to have but I learned how to think I learned how to debate I think learned how to question ideas in a way that 
you know, I hadn't been up and, until that point. And how do we ensure that's the case? You, 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 you find your, you know, your, your, the, 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 the many contacts that you continue all through your career. It's built at that, that university experience, but it's very much you find who you are. And you learn how to learn and, and you know, that's, that's going to be even more critical into the future. So it's how we see how, you know, these big, big shifts are occurring, how we ensure that those things that we know we got out of our education and we know are going to be as important, if not more important, into a challenging future, how do we provide that? How do we absolutely provide those opportunities at the same time as ensuring that our institutions are, are more accessible to, to, to broader parts of our community? Because one of our big challenges as a society is to ensure that no parts of our community are left behind as we, as we transition not only our energy sources, but we uh, our economies change, our workplaces change, our jobs change, how do we become more open uh, and, and more accessible to uh, people from all parts of our community? And, and you know, that's, that's also a challenge. And then how do we support those students, all students to leave our institutions with, with what we know is so critical to their future? So what I'm hearing you saying is perhaps we need to revisit the purpose of universities mm. and their relationship to both economic factors, social factors, cultural factors, and of course we can't forget the political factors. So what if you, if you re if you reimagine the purpose of higher education, taking what you've said, how would you how would you describe it? Well, I mean, I often go back here when I'm well, in, in, in the roles I've had in recent years. I mean, we exist for the public good. That mm -hmm. is our sole mission. We yep. exist for the public good. And, you know, despite all of the different, you know, you can pick up any um, online uh, media outlet and many of us read uh, many of those that are, are focused on, 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 on university education. And, of course, uh, you know, you wouldn't be a weak that would go past that would we'd read some headline that US colleges are about to disappear, universities are, are going to um, you know not be able to survive um, you know the uh, the increase of other providers uh, in, 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 in the space. I mean the fact is that universities have been extraordinarily long-lived. We are very adaptable institutions. We are absolutely critical to the strength of strong civic societies. And if and therefore we have to keep going back to why do we exist? We exist for the public good. We do three things. We teach, we research, and we uh, enrich the communities in which we're embedded. And as long as we keep going back, I think, to the core mission of, of mm -hmm. the institutions, then we will adapt and we will thrive as we have for centuries. I mean, in, in fact, universities are, you know, some of the most, you know, the longest living institutions. Um, but, but I do think it is, it is about going back all the time to, to that 
underlying mission. And then, in, as, as you know, in, in, in the Australian context, it's very clear. The objects of our institutions teach, research, and, and, and enrich communities. And, you know, I find that that narrative, I, I, I think, really does help uh, mm-hmm. as, as we work with our colleagues to make the kinds of changes we need to as the environment is shifting. And, you know, the big shift, I think, where we're seeing the most disruption is, of course, in the postgraduate space. You know, you know it, it is being heavily disrupted. We have to do things differently. It is much more just in time um, uh, teaching, um, you know, learning experiences. Um, it, it's not the rich campus experience, quite frankly, even coming out to our main campus at St. Lucia is not what our graduates are looking for. They want to dip in and out. Um, some of it they'll want credentialed. Some of it is just to remain competitive in the workforce, in, in, in the labour market. How do we respond to that? And, and we have to do things differently. But if we go back to why we exist and, and the core, a, a big part of what we do is, is that undergraduate education and ensuring that our students leave us knowing, learn that we ensure that we focus on uh, the fact that they learn how to learn through our institutions and that will equip them for reskilling, upskilling, changing careers. Um, we've got to, we've got to make sure we do do that. And that's a critical part of that undergraduate education for me. And mm-hmm. and I think, you know, I mean, Alan Finkel, others have argued this. You, you know, you 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 don't have that capacity to dip in and out um, if you haven't had some depth and breadth in your initial training and mm-hmm. your initial education. And you know, making sure we deliver on that, but uh, respond to where we are being disrupted and and you know, playing a leading role in 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 um in that disruption partnering where we need to partner using new platforms where we need to use those platforms doing it well um and being responsive to you know to 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 the needs of the the labor market and the economy so are you suggesting that we actually need a different kind of student experience and and one that's more flexible one that's more fluid where students can come in and out Certainly, particularly at the postgraduate space, mm-hmm. I, 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 absolutely, I think I think that's increasingly what we're seeing. I mean, it, they'll, they'll remain, you know, we, we do a lot of professional training at the postgraduate space as well. So some of that will obviously be dictated by accreditation bodies and things. But I think at the undergraduate space, I think it is changed, Judith, but it's, it's um, still... I think the dipping in and out uh, at 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 uh, too superficial a level, I don't think will give the students, uh, the graduates, what they need mm-hmm. to then be able to to do that as they face in their careers, even even to remain competitive in the one career. Perhaps unlike our generation, graduates are going to have to dip in and out of education. Mm-hmm just remain competitive just because of the changing nature of technology, the changing nature of the way things are done in all, all, 
all um, all, all um, sectors, but then many, and we, we're already seeing this, will we'll seek to change careers, um, you know, really make quite radical changes. And then how, how, how we are, uh, as it, uh, you know, that, that we are attuned to that in terms of the kinds of ways that we are uh, put together, you know, postgraduate, uh, you know, um, ed ed education degrees, you know, for the engineers who may want to come back and train in, in education, that we do that in a different way to how you might do a Bachelor of Education. Mm -hmm. it's, it's offered in, 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 in more accessible ways to, to uh, graduates at different stages of their careers. So I do, I, I always have in my mind a slightly different approach to the undergraduate mm -hmm. uh, and, and the postgraduate. But that may be, um, I, I, I may be kidding myself there. <laughs> no, when I, when I think of the undergraduate experience that I had at UQ <laughs> and that I've talked to a number of people who were graduates at, at ANU, um, particularly students who graduated from ANU, but also students that graduated from Macquarie, said that they absolutely loved it mm. and they had a wonderful experience. Whereas we had the... Um, we, we had time, we weren't, we knew that we would get jobs when we graduated. But there's that pressure of not knowing what the future is going to be, being burdened with a hex debt. Uh, and for some students, you know, they worry about that and others don't. So, so what is it that we can help students to actually realise this is the time of their life? Yeah, yeah, no. And I think, I think, I mean, A, it's, and it's being responsive to the fact that I think students are looking to augment, um, you know, the undergraduate study with other things. I mean, I can, I, you know, and I know other other institutions are finding this. How many of our students want to be involved in the entrepreneurial opportunities, the startups, you know, the social enterprise that's coming up through our pitch nights? I mean, it's phenomenal. Mm. Really wanting to solve problems and seeing. And seeing that, you know, they they feel they've got the capacity to do that, to to really think through, well, what what might a business idea be, or or how might I work with some of my, my um, colleagues at uni university to to be able to do that. So I think I think we 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 absolutely have to respond to that. So it is you know very much the changing programs that we offer in addition to uh, the, the, the study opportunities. I mean, we spend a lot of time thinking about building that sense of belonging for our students mm. because so I, 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 and I think it goes to your question. Some of it's around the fact that, you know, students will, will have jobs, they'll have other commitments. Um, they don't have as much time as, as, as we had. You know, and I, I'm I'm the first to acknowledge that, and 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 many just to to be able to keep studying will will need more than one job, and that's where I think building our scholarship uh, programs are, are are just so important. But it's also this changing nature of of how we how we teach and how we um, encourage students to do all sorts of different things while they're here, how do you build that sense of belonging? Mm -hmm. They may not have a natural cohort that, that, that they, they're doing everything with. And I think 
you know, there's multiple, multiple ways to do that. But we, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about that. We, we, you know, one of the things that uh, Joanne Wright and, 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 uh, and um, when, when she was Deputy Vice-Chancellor Academic here at UQ, I think had a lot of influence on, which UQ now runs this wonderful Bloom Festival at this time of the year. And you probably remember from when you were a student. Well, I, I was told when I first came up here, if you hadn't started studying by the time the jacaran came out, <laughs> it was too late. <laughs> so now there's this wonderful celebration across uh, a couple of weeks of of the you know the jacarandas coming out and there's big long table dinners and all sorts of things that you know. And I think all institutions are doing that. How can we bring students together, but in different different ways than 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 we were used to. Um, uh, and 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 we're finding we're we're finding that students are really receptive to that, but we have to keep doing it in a way that um, meets the kinds of expectations they have. And um, so it's it's yeah. So it's that sense of belonging. I, I yeah, think I agree. a critical part. Then what else do we offer alongside the degree programs that are really um, providing the kinds of skills? and experiences that students are looking for. So just in finishing, what advice would you give to the younger Debbie Terry, both as a scholar uh, and as a senior leader? Take advantage of, 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 of opportunities. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, widen, broaden your perspectives. And I mean, I think, you know, it does mean stepping out of your comfort zone, you know, and it's uh, over my wonderful career and I've been hugely privileged, there's been times and I've thought, what have I been asked to come along to this meeting? It's not something I know much about or why have I been asked to do that? But I, I think take advantage of those opportunities. Career paths are not as direct and linear as, 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 as we perhaps have have a tendency to think they are they're not and um you know follow follow your passion and 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 for me uh, i i i still say that to students i was talking to a prospective student the other night and she said to me um uh, you know she 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 was really interested in ancient history and did i think that was good and i said it's absolutely you should you should do what you're interested in You've no, you know, there's so many opportunities that will come out of, out of that. But if you're not, if, if if it's not your passion, then it's not going to work. And and that's, you know, I think it's really important. Great advice. And I have spent the last forty minutes experiencing the joy of discovery about you as an educator and you as a leader. Thank you very much for the time that you gave me this morning, and others will will learn from it. And I wish you a good weekend. Absolutely. And thanks. Thanks, Judith. Thanks for everything that you contribute to the sector. It's, it's, it's hugely appreciated. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Visit studiosity.com slash students first for the next Students First Symposium, an open forum for faculty, staff and academics to candidly discuss and progress the issues that matter most in higher education.